1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crash Course podcast. I'm Cody, and today Neil's going to be joining me to discuss Old Town Club in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Old Town Club is a 1939 Perry Maxwell design that's absolutely stood up to the test of time. In 2013, Corin Crenshaw restored the golf course, primarily focusing on tree removal, drainage and putting mowing lines both on tees, fairways, and greens back to their original position. As always, the Crash Course Podcast and Crash Course Video Series is sponsored by Cooper Tires. I never put much thought into tires in the past. The thought was always to drive what comes on my vehicle. Even if I had to replace them, I made the decision based on price. Our friends at Cooper Tires know what they're talking about. Cooper has been an American company since 1914 with more than a century in the tire industry. Each Cooper tire undergoes a rigorous testing and are backed by warranty, so you can trust that they'll last for thousands of miles. The Coopers pride themselves on good merchandise, fair play, and a square deal. Always have and always will. Don't overpay or underbuy. Cooper tires do what tires should do and cost what tires should cost. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, And select products are backed by Treadwear Mileage Warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca. And remember, go with the Coopers.
0: Cody, happy to be here. Uh I just got smoked in tennis by my fiance Carson's father. I was doing some second serve research this morning and we need to get back in the swing of things on the tennis court. But uh but we're talking golf today. We're not talking tennis. What's up with you?
1: Chilling another beautiful day. I'm feeling a little bit better. Had a minor little procedure done that's going to put me back hopefully in the shape that that I need to be in. So I feel loose, I feel ready to go and happy to talk a little golf this morning. Do you know anything about tobacco? I do. I do. Uh more so nicotine these
0: days. But the I, I believe you're you're referring to the RJ Reynolds family.
1: Am I am I That's on the right, right track? We're talking Old Town, baby. Winston, Salem. Winston, Salem, North Carolina, and we're talking Old Town Club. And Wake Forest. I mean, what a, what a nice town uh up in the uh the
0: foothills of the Appalachian what's the uh what's that section of the Appalachian
1: is that that's not really the Blue Ridge is it I don't know I'm a, I'm like such a staunch like rocky mountain guy that I I have a hard time even comparing the Appalachians to being mountains they're more dense than anything else I think it's more of a dense forest I don't know if that would be the Blue Ridge still I'd say rolling foothills
0: uh because the land's definitely moving it's definitely uh rumpled Rumpled Land, beautiful piece of property. Uh, Old Town is um, situated right behind Wake Forest. I didn't realize it was so close to the campus, uh, but learning from our host Paul Glenn. Shout out to Paul for uh, for having us out a few weeks ago. We stopped. I was driving up from Jacksonville, stopped to see Cody in Southern Pines, and then we uh, we drove up to Winston Salem, and then I went on to uh, continue my drive north. Uh, so it was a great little pit stop. One thing that stood out to me right from the get-go was I liked how there was no gate. You drive in, there's a sign. It says, you know, old town club, you know, private, of course. So it is a private course, but there's, it's almost like the neighborhood or the, um, you know, the area it's in kind of just dead ends into the club, which I thought was a a cool vibe. It felt like it was part of the, uh, you know, I think it's on the North Northwest suburbs of Winston-Salem. It felt like it had been there for a long time, which it definitely has. Uh, 1939, I believe is when it opened. Um, But any other first impressions from you? I know this was, what, your second time up there? Third time up.
1: Third time? And Every time I get the exact same feeling that you were just describing there. So it's not secluded, even though I guess it is still very much a private club. But it feels like you're in a neighborhood and you walk out into this field that is just there for play. And I think the club does an awesome job of putting golf first and foremost, the most important thing that you're going to do there. And you wouldn't even really realize that Wake Forest, the entire university, sits directly on the other side of the property. Yeah, kind of the backside of the
0: property. So behind the double green, so I think that was like number 12, the par three. It's like right on the other side of that. Uh, and the only other time I've been up to Winston-Salem was I, I did a, a college visit with my mother, Peggy, a long time ago. And Wake's campus was awesome. And also, I mean, I shout out to Old Town. I think, you know, one of the questions we try to answer here is who can play there? Well, the course is most definitely private, so very much appreciate the invite. But it sounds like a very strong tie with the university, the golf team from Wake Forest. I think there's a kind of a back entrance that they're able to walk over from the uh, – you know, from campus to, to get to the course, it sounds like they play out there all the time. And then on the way into the locker room, there's just like a murderer's row, basically, like all, I think all the Wake players that have been all Americans, you know. So, kind of first guy I saw was Zal Torres, uh, the most recent one. And then it's just like Curtis Strange, Lanny Watkins, you know, on and on and on. Just some absolute heavy hitters coming through there, playing for Wake and then working on their game over to Old Town.
1: It's a special piece of property. And I don't know how else you would really end up with a golf course there if you didn't have, obviously, generation on generation on generation of families with a massive amount of land that originally, you know, we touched on a little bit. So tobacco, and really that's tobacco country up there, but the RJ Reynolds estate originally owned hundreds of acres. And then over time, the the ph- philanthropic part of it kind of turned in and they started divvying up the property. And trying to discover what they actually wanted to do so i think that the story goes that in 1937 38 they reached out to perry maxwell off of a recommendation because perry was down at augusta national finishing some work up there and he came up and they had really his choice of the best plot of land that he wanted to put it on and he chose he he figured out where his routing wanted to go he started building the property out and then everything else since then has been donated back to Wake Forest University. So there is a very hard and firm connection between the club and the university. And it's nice to see that they hundreds of years later. Now it still goes hand in hand.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the warm intro from Clifford Roberts, ever heard of him to, uh, Charles Babcock, who I believe is the husband of Mary Reynolds Babcock of the, uh, RJ Reynolds family we mentioned earlier. They were looking for, you know, they were looking for the the top guy to design the course. And I don't think there's a lot of, maybe nowadays with the resort stuff, but back in the day, it doesn't feel like, Hey, here's thousands of acres. Take, you get whatever 1000 acres you want, you pick it. Right. And I think he, he, it's noticeable because the property is like, it's so kind of thoughtfully routed and that's kind of the praise that I heard going into to the rounded old town was all the routing. So good, but there's not a, there's one water feature, which I love. It's this Creek that goes from, I think kind of the Southeast and flows downhill all the way through kind of to the Northwest of the property. And instead of a a lot of times when I play a golf course, you see an awesome piece of the property or a hole and that's it. Then you're kind of continuing on your walk in the woods and you never get to see it again you kind of revisit and you zigzag across this Creek throughout the round. And you come back to these spots that you see on the front. Now you're like, man, that was awesome. Uh, and then you get another crack at them when you come back around. So I think the, uh, the praise for the routing is definitely, um, warranted. And then it sounds like, uh, you know, Bill core who grew up down the street, um, or I guess close by, uh, he and Ben Crenshaw came in and restored the course in 2013. And according to golf club Atlas, core was focused more on restoring the greens and expanding them to their original size so i think they you know kind of uh, were shrinking a little bit over time uh, and then it sounds like keith rebb and uh, david Axland focused on restoring the shape and natural look of the bunkers and quinn thompson focused on restoring the uh native grass and, and kind of doing some detail work which i think that was one of the things that really stuck out to me was just a really really good piece like good looking property right the juxtaposition of big fairways, like very wide, inviting fairways. But then you get up on the, you know, kind of these uh, vistas and you see out and there's all this heather grass that fills in the gaps between holes. The course kind of switches back and it it, it kind of circles around itself. But one thing I really liked was it didn't feel claustrophobic. So there was plenty of internal land where there was just kind of dead space, but it, it allowed them to put in this native heather grass, which then when you get up on these vistas looks unbelievable all day. I was just kind of like charmed by the place. I just was like, man, this, what a, what a good looking piece of property this is. And I think that kind of features into like, it felt like a walk in a garden a little bit, you know, just really, really, everything was very thoughtful and, uh, and, and clever,
1: which I really appreciated throughout the round. I completely agree. I think that just the contrast and colors that you get out there, because it's hard with a lot of these courses that are tree line and so dense, especially in the North Carolina, specifically the Sandhills area, is that you have so much tall pine. And then you obviously have grass at this time of year is popping very deep green. The native grass, what it does at Old Town, it creates this amazing contrast that just jumps out at you. The vistas, as soon as you cross, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, walking up to the four fairway, and the whole entire property opens up in front of you. I don't think that was the way that it was. Maybe way back in the day, but I know that what Bill did was continue to cut down a ton of those trees to open all those corridors up so you can actually see the property. And it just made it feel like you're walking through a park. You're, you're not, you know, you can go out there and have a, an evening stroll with somebody who has no clue about golf, and they'd be like, wow, this is amazing. I'm just taking a little, you know, stroll through a garden.
0: Yeah. And there was uh, a couple good benches out there on some of these vistas, which, of course, I appreciate. So the course, it reminds me, there's a, a couple other courses I've played in the last year where you get a, you can, there's a spot on the property, especially early in a round where it unveils the rest of the course to you. Somerset Hills feels like that in New Jersey and has the similar feel of the heather grass kind of contrasting with the, with the green uh, of fairways and, and, and the golf holes. And then also Southampton, the back nine there. And I think those two courses had, you know, they were, they were racetracks, they were polo grounds. They kind of had some history as, as just general sporting areas that then turned into kind of to golf courses. And and you can kind of see the remnants of the the tracks and stuff. I thought what was interesting here was that, you know, there's, I don't think there was any kind of a polo ground or anything like that, but it reminded me of this, Hey, look at this giant field. The only difference being the land movement. You don't see as much of that at the, you know, some of these courses in the Northeast. So I think combining like the vistas, but also the, the rolling hills is just really pleasing to the eyes. Do you know where Bill Cor's connection came from to Old Town? I read that he grew up down the street in Thomasville, but I'm not sure about
1: any other connection to the course. So Bill Cor grew up, you know, a normal country kid from rural North Carolina. And when his dad got him into golf, they used to do summer trips and stays over to Pinehurst. So he got very familiar walking Pinehurst number two and the courses around there, needles, mid pines, everything else. And that's where he he'll say that he developed his love for not only golf, but golf course architecture before he knew what it really was. But he will also went to school at Wake Forest and going to school at Wake Forest. And before that fence was even there, it was old town was right out the back door. And he could go out there and walk and see, and I think it's the f- the first time that he saw something different than a Donald Ross design and and what Perry Maxwell did there with a, an amazing piece of property. And you see the rolls, and and they call them Maxwell rolls out there. How you can move your routing not just up and over, but really across using banks and corridors to. Make it so if you have a, a left to right shot off the tee box, you can work a, a right to left landing area out there. And that's the first time that he kind of visually saw it out there from his time at Wake Forest University, which you see through his designs both early on in his career, as well as everything that he's done with part of being poor Crenshaw on now, which is is so crazy to see that it really was developed right there in, in Winston-Salem. One thing, there's you definitely play the ball on the ground and there's a lot of shots that come to mind.
0: But the greens are raised, so the the false fronts. It's like this combination of playing strategic shots and and especially from the fairway, kind of running things around these hills. But then the approaches to greens, I felt like a lot of balls are rolling back to your feet. You better be sharp with the uh you know the high soft chipping. So that I think was a a, a major defense of the course. And the other thing that I will take away is just uneven lies, just all day long. The ball is above or below your feet, which is. For someone playing a lot of golf in Florida these days, <laughs> it's a subtle variable that that plays a big factor. Especially if you you know miss a green, there's a lot of double bogeys waiting for you. You know, with the false fronts and some of the short sided spots, you can get yourself in and out of Old Town. So, not a long course, but one that plays much more difficult because it throws these subtle factors at you. One thing I did like though strategically, and we can talk about it because it's you know part of my favorite hole and why I liked it so much is there are places to get flat lies. If you play towards trouble or, you know, certain sides of the fairway, there's very specific places you definitely want to be. And there's very safe ways to play it off the tee, but that's where you're going to have these, you know, a downhill shot with the ball below your feet, you know, hitting over that Creek I mentioned earlier. That's the kind of stuff that, that you look back on and it makes you want to go right back out and play because you're like, Oh my God, I want another shot at that. If I just wouldn't hit it left there to the left side of the fairway, if I played it to the right side of the fairway, that would have been a much easier hole. So, it feels like something that you can just play over and over again and just get all these like subtle details and and subtle strategic advantages the more you play it. So, Cody, what do you think, uh, like just overall, like what are your takeaways from the course? Would you, what, what, what are
1: some of the, uh, I don't know, themes that you take away from Old Town? Doesn't necessarily make you think off the T box, but it's a second shot golf course you have to put yourself in the correct position off the tee box to hopefully give yourself some form of an even lie somewhere because truly every second shot that you have in, you know, is to elevate a greens, you, you need to be able to commit to it and, and hopefully well it because the majority of the greens are also fairly well guarded with bunkers, but there's just a ton of false fronts, runoffs to their green complexes that'll get you if you're not committed to your shots. A lot of downhill or up and over a hill tee shots too. So not so
0: much blind. There's a a couple distinctly blind shots. I think number, I want to say it's number 12 after the par three. Uh, Well, that's a blind blind approach shot. So not not a blind tee shot, but a lot of tee balls that, like number four is a good example. Great par five down around dogleg right around the corner. And you kind of hit it down over the crest of this hill. And, you know, as someone playing there for the first time, there's definitely a side of the fairway or a place you want to be there to get a flat lie so that you can have a chance to go for it and kind of hit this big cut into this, you know, well, well guarded green. And then also they're kind of throwing the, uh, almost like a a little bit of a distraction a Trojan horse. Cause when you come down the fairway on number four, you're, you know, entering the arena, I believe, uh, as Andy Johnson says over at the fried egg where you, the, the property, the rest of the course just kind of unfolds in front of you. And so you're kind of like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, meanwhile, you got to go hit one of the harder shots of the day if you want to go for it there. But I think those what seem like very easy tee shots, you know, if it, it's almost so it's like, oh, it's wide open up there, just hit it anywhere. And it's like that lulls you into a false sense of security. And then you get yourself into one of those weird lies or, or on the wrong side of
1: the fairway. And it, it, it kind of comes back to bite you later on uh, when you walk off that green. It's a dichotomy between current golf the way that it is. We'll we'll call it modern golf and old school golf the way that that course was probably routed to be played because I guarantee you that nobody, you know, 50 years ago was thinking of specifically on four trying to, they're trying to get it to the top of that hill. Yeah. Yeah. They're not trying to carry it down the other side of that hill and and figure out what's how position wise, how far you need to be left. The goal is to get it up to the top of the hill your second shot down to that little stream that, that runs in front of that elevated green and then pitch up to a severely elevated green. But you're right, uh, crossing that hill, entering that arena, it's a spectacular sight. And you get on this trend of demanding shots that you have to hit. The second shot on four, five is a driver. If you want to hit driver, you don't really have to hit it. You could, It's probably safer to hit less than and get those bunkers out of play and be back from them. And you're still only going to have 150 yards in to again, a severely elevated green that is running so hard left to right. Uh, We had a front left pin there. And I think all four of us in the group ended up landing on the green and then spinning all the way back. So you have these old bent grass greens. They're not firm, but they're quick and there's so much movement on them that unless you're Playing the proper distance to the back with controlled spin, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. One other thing that I absolutely
0: loved was I felt like, and I, I don't know if this, I'm, I'm guessing this is Core Crenshaw and their team, but it had every like cheeky flourish that I love about golf, like <laughs> golf courses. You had the double green, which is my favorite feature out there. Number eight and number 17 share this massive you know, mound filled green that sits behind the, the you know, the creek that comes through the whole property. Got the, the double T, which nine and 18 share, uh, you've got tees, you know, greens that roll into tee boxes, you've got shared fairways. So there's just, it, it's almost like the land, the piece of land does not feel big, but they've maximized the main feature, which is this Creek. It feels like a really nice backyard and they've, they've maximized the use of the best pieces of that property. You know, and then also kind of in spots like, oh yeah, let's just use this, you know, let's use this fairway for both holes. Let's, let's use this tee for both. And you kind of just, there's these points on the course you keep coming back to. And I'm thrilled that you do because they're the best parts of the property. So yeah, I just think that those little things always make me smile. And Old Town was just full of them, which I loved. What will you remember from being out there? I think the well those flourishes kind of just make me smile but the uh, the my favorite spot as i said was that that shared green I, i'd say number 17 let's just you know I'll, I'll just combine it with my favorite hole par five i think it's one of the best i just it just hit me a lot of times you look back and you're like oh you know that was, what a good golf hole i just kind of realized it in the middle of that golf hole when i was playing it i was like this is awesome so you tee up tee off from way up high on this hill and that creek that i mentioned earlier is running all down the right side until it gets right up to the green and then it cuts across in front of you know the shared green with number eight and cuts across this big fairway that you know 17 and eight fairway come together right in front of the green and this creek just kind of cuts up and now it's on the left side of the green and so the green kind of sits back in this um almost in this corner and off the tee, it's a it's a true three-shot par five, so you can try to take it, which I did. I took it up the right, kind of challenged the creek, hit a great drive, flat lie, and you have a little, like a small peak at the green where you could maybe, if you want to hit the hero shot, you know, it's probably 250, 260. You got to carry it all the way there because this creek is, you know, right up against the green, so you can't run it up, and so then it's like, okay, I'm going to lay up, and the layup shot kind of lulls you into a false sense of security, where you have all this room left. You can blow it as far left as you want, but there looks like there's a freaking brontosaurus under the fairway, right? So this big hill um, that you're hitting up and kind of over and down is is very high on the left side, and then flows down into kind of a flat lie, um, you know, and not a big land, not a big flat area over by the uh, the creek on the right. So you just kind of, you know, hit one up there and if you want to play it safe with the second shot, if you're not thoughtful about it, then you have this hundred and, I don't know, 20 yard shot from at least 50 feet above the green uh, with the ball below your feet. You know, you're, you're basically giving yourself this uneasy wedge shot in if you don't think through the layup shot or you kind of play it closer to the hazard and then you have a much flatter lie, probably a better chance at, at At um, hitting into this green, which is important because the green has all these sections. There's just mounds and little pockets, and you know, based on where the pin is, and then you've got a you know group of people playing number eight, so they're playing to the other part of this green. There's a lot going on, and it's just it's the second time you've seen this green. It's it's like all this stuff. It's very stimulating. You're just kind of like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. So it was a very, I think uh, I think I birdied it, which was very very satisfying because it's like you had to hit three good shots and then make, you know, a tough putt, uh, especially if you don't get into the right section of the green and talking to Paul and and Lee, the the, uh, members we played with, they said the beauty of that green too, is you can turn it up and turn it down as far as where they pin it. Right. So in some of the club tournaments, there's these little shelves and and little pockets of the green where they can put the flag and, and really, uh, you know, really make it difficult, you know, especially once the bent grass, uh, the, the speeds get going. So I think that, that just whole Green complex number 8 that that intersection of the course is just like kind of pressed into my memory uh and I loved it I just loved there and then the creek I want to call it the creek the creek is wide it's not you know it's not a dinky creek we're talking about a nice body of flowing water you know they got a few little drops a little you know kind of diet waterfalls if you want to call them that it's just it's just lovely
1: I love everything about it Great. I completely agree. That's an amazing golf hole in that green complex that you're talking about. Tiers on tiers on tiers. And it is a shared green, but really on the other side, the eight green side of it, there is a massive ridge that runs in between them that does kind of separate them. I'm sure it's happened before, but I don't know if anybody playing 17 unless they like completely scold the wedge to the other side would have ended up over there. But it is cool that it's the communal aspect of a shared green especially where it sits on that part of the property in that amphitheater back there, because you have 12 tee boxes sitting right behind it as well. The shared tee box for, for 918 on the other side that you said. Which is a great vibe for a club, right? A small, a small kind of club. It,
0: It feels like it kind of in, in, um, encourages the community vibe of like, you know, you're running into somebody that teed off basically two, three hours behind you, you know, as they're coming down eight. You're coming down 17. So it's just, there's a lot of serendipity I feel like that happens at that piece of the property. And I, I, I don't know, I wish there was more of that in golf where, well, I don't know. I, I kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth on this, where I love a place like Bandon Trails, where you don't see any other hole on the course all day, it's just a walk in the woods. But then I also love when, you know, maybe once or twice around, you're a shared green or you're playing into this central piece of the property before you go back out, you know, kind of um, You know into the woods or whatever i like courses that i guess i like courses that have a more of a wheel like a hub and spoke routing than courses that are just out and back or kind of um you know switching back right where there's like a very defined place where the course comes together whether at like a halfway house or in sections of six but um i thought old town was like one of the best examples of that Uh, i think the creek up in in long island has that where it's like these six whole
1: segments but Old Town was just very, uh, very charming in that way. I love how my one of the Strat boys is sitting here describing all these private clubs that he gets a chance to to play on, and I'm getting into the art world. That's what I feel like. You know, I've gone to a couple galleries. I'm feeling, uh, I'm
0: feeling like I'm, uh,
1: you know, I'm, I'm, I'm staring at these pictures and I'm, I'm having some thoughts about. Them. <laughs> as we sit here discussing, shame on me. Yeah, as we sit here discussing Old Town Club, uh, that is a very good comp though. And I think one thing to be noted about Old Town Club, so it is a par seventy. So normally par 70 is going to come with only two par fives. These par fives that you got are probably the best holes that you have on the course. So definitely four that we talked about cresting over that hill, incredible vistas, very difficult green, Neil talking about 17, amazing golf hole, that, that Creek that's running on the right hand side of it all the way up until you finally cross over by the green. But really what jumps out to me is some very, very tough par threes. Starting right out of the gate. So number two, I, I think you that's probably the first time that you see really a lot of comparison in what Perry Maxwell did at Augusta National because it looks almost exactly like 12 at Augusta National. Instead of water that you have to carry over, there is a little tiny stream, but the rest of it is all just kind of waste native area that that you're carrying it back to, to a green that's kind of pushed up against this hill that has the three tee box directly behind it. And it does, it's a little three tiers. So one kind of cutting between dissecting the green from front to back and then really a a higher shelf that sits up on the back, right-hand side. Very good bunker, short, right. And it's going to eat you. And it kind of sets the stage for what part threes are going to be like out there because they get tougher and tougher and tougher and they get longer and longer and longer. As it's so goes. long,
0: it's, it's, they, they can definitely gain some length. It's not a long course otherwise, but I mean, seven, you're basically infinity green. You know, it feels like you're, that, that just drops off like 30 feet behind that green. So that's a stressful shot. And then 11 and, uh, what is it? 14, uh, um, 11, 15 and 15. God, those were brutal. Like just, you're hitting, you know, driving iron or, or five wood into those well-guarded greens with, with trouble. Very defined trouble, though. I, I don't feel like the trouble is doesn't sneak up on you because most of those, those par threes, one thing I did like about them was you're hitting down to them. They're long shots, but you have a very clear view of what you have to do. Um, whereas sometimes when you get a long par three that's flat or playing kind of uphill, sometimes that can be frustrating for me where it's like you're asking me to hit this really, really good long iron, uh, but I don't really know I can't get a good, good feel for, for what it's going to do. Cause I, you know, if someone teed off for me, it's hard to see what it does when it, when it gets on the ground.
1: Um, so I like that a challenging, but, but I think stern, but fair test with the par threes. If you look at it. So the first par three that you have, number two, 166 yards from the back tee. Then you go to number six, next par three, 186. We get on the back nine, number 11. And the good thing is, is about two and six on the front is that, you can bail kind of any direction that you want. It doesn't force you to hit a shot, which I I completely love about this routing. It always gives you options of places to go. 11 is 216 yards. There's that same piece of water. That creek is running up the entire right-hand side, and it forces you to, if you're going to bail, you have to bail left. And by the time we get to number 15, 245 yards from the back, and that same creek is now on your left-hand side so you can't go. I guess you could go way left. Well, well that was
0: actually I think that's a, tri- a little tributary of the creek. It kind of forks oh, really? there. Yeah, cuz the one the the main I think the main part of the creek goes up um or no, I guess it is the same creek. Yeah, I guess the creek I was wrong. It doesn't go up to the uh um southeast corner. It kind of it's kind of comes down from the northeast corner and then kind of loops back you know into the center of the
1: property and then back out the the northwest corner um right i think the first time you see it is right out that 14t box yeah where yeah it, it's kind of right there and obviously 14 15 go out and then right back in so it's running right in the middle 14 is an incredible hole great risk reward reward drivable par four if you can get it up that high and i think wind is a major factor there but also i I'm sure later in the year we played it, it was Pretty soft. You're not really getting any sort of bounce or roll. Trying to hit driver up to that kind of elevated green, and and honestly, if you're gonna miss left, there's not a lot of room for it to run out left before it's. You're talking about that water again. Well, then another fun shot uh, was the approach into
0: 12. So you hit your drive up, you know, long par four. You hit your drive up, kind of want to be up the left, kind of up on the high ground, and then completely blind approach. You got the creek in front of that green. And you got to carry that, and they have like one of the you know a pole, not not a flag pole, but almost like a sight pole of like the flag, the green. This is the center of the green, and then another factor. You're like, okay, so that's you know, that's two twenty five. I got at least you know you're doing the math in your head like minus thirty, my, you know. I got to carry it at least you know if it's two twenty five, like at least one eighty five to clear that creek. It's just a you know a fun golf shot of like, you know, kind of hit it and go see what happened. Um,
1: that aim pole is like 30 feet in the air. Uh,
0: Another, another, you know, little charming flourish that I love, right. You know, a little blind shot, but they're giving you a little help with an aiming pole. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of shit that I get all jacked up about. So it was, it was like a bunch of like every hole was like a new chapter in, in a good, uh, you
1: know, in a good book. I was just, I was just, I was taken by the place. I loved it. All right. So it's a par 70. I shot 75 didn't really want to talk about 12 cuz i had a top driver like right off the tee box and i had driver, 3 wood, wedge, 2 putt for I, I i had 5 bogeys on the day i didn't have a single birdie just as ho hum
0: 75 though you're you know i shot 78 and had i think 4 birdies so that's a very good indicator of our game much more volatility coming from me cuz i i thought i hit the ball great but again you know you i left a couple chips came back to my feet and you know, it's just and the and and the Greens are, are tricky. They're they were not you know, I was struggling with some reads and but that's good. I, I feel like it's the kind of place you could just I if we say it you could play every day, but truly like just you're not gonna figure that place out the first five, ten times you play it. So it's a great country, you know, a, a great country club course. Um great great course to just have a, a, a good game out at regularly. I think my takeaway, like I've been reading Tom Coyne's new book, A Course Called America, and he talks to David McClay Kidd. He's out at Gamble Sands with him, and he asks David McClay Kidd, what what makes a good golf course? And he kind of answers, you know, like only he can, very eloquently, like fun, right? But then he goes on to say, there's there, it's almost a binary thing, a feeling you get, and it usually comes around 13 or 14, where most courses you play, you know, you're usually ready for the round to be over by... 13 or 14 you're like all right i'm, I'm good you know i got my golf fixed for the day but there's some courses there's there's a few out there that you no matter how much they beat you up you get off 18 you can't wait to go play it again the one that's always stuck out to me that i have played enough to, for that feeling i've played it enough and i've gotten beat up enough on it is pasatiempo out in santa cruz i i always walk off that course i played it i think four times and i'm always like god i can't wait to get back out there and i haven't broken 80. Right. So it's like, it, it has nothing to do with how I played. It's, it's difficult. I get, you know, I struggle with it, but I just love the golf shots that I have to hit. And there's very, when you hit a good one, it's very rewarding. I felt the same way at old town where it was like, man, there were so many little things I feel like I picked up on. And it, that's telling me there's so many little things I feel like I missed that. I just was like, I, God, when, when, when can I figure out a reason to drive up the Eastern seaboard to stop there again? Because it's not close by to anything that I'm, um, you know, I guess like where you are in Southern pines, but it's just like, it was awesome. It's kind of like the secret garden up there in the Hills. I, I
1: really, really liked it. So that's my glowing endorsement of old town. I think the club too, we talked about an incredible membership and I think they, they put the golf first between the professional staff that they have inside the shop to everybody working inside the club, they do everything possible to make you feel like it's your day out there. And at a lot of places when you're visitors or guests coming in, it's kind of a struggle. And I know they probably don't intentionally make it feel like that, but also, you know, you're kind of stepping on eggshells and you don't want to do anything wrong. And I think old town does everything possible to just kind of put all that to the side and just be like, Hey, come and enjoy your day. Yeah. There, I, you know,
0: I, for the record, I didn't change my shoes in the parking lot, but I didn't feel like I was going to get asked to leave the premises. If I, if I had chosen to do that, right? Like we stopped and talked to a, a guy in the parking lot. I just felt
1: like everybody was, was kind of uh comfortable, which, which is good. That guy in the parking lot also introduced himself as a strap boy. At the parking yeah. at, at Old Town Club, so I we know. were like, "Are you
0: members like that?" No, man, I'm up in Green, you know Greensboro, like which he was he was saying is a is a you know has some strap vibes up in Greensboro
1: and High Point. So that's fair. Maybe put that one on the list for uh, for for Randy and and Deej and I. The other thing that I'm still trying to figure out, which I I don't really know if it's 100 percent true or not, but there's kind of this lore about Old Town Club and what they do for juniors and i don't know if you have any information on it i keep hearing that there's if you're a junior trying to looking to get into the game this is definitely a place where you can go they have phenomenal i would say not cheap but kind of inexpensive options and they really cater to juniors and the junior program that they have out there feels like it's trying to
0: you know generate kind of a golf culture at a young age which is you know more of that please at at nice clubs around the us specifically um, I just think that that's a, that's a no brainer. It's like, yeah, you know, it's kids are probably, you know, maybe they get in the way, but I, I think the most impactful thing for me growing up was, uh, 7 a.m. They'd send us off the back nine at Dunwoody country club in the summers on Friday in the summer. That was, I can't think of anything else in my life that I was awake, like just rearing to go at six fifteen a.m. Other than those summer Fridays when I was a kid of like, I, I cannot wait to get out of bed to go play golf. Right. Like I'm not a morning person, never was as a kid. And that it's like, yes, send them out early. Kids will go play golf at any time. So just like give them, give them a sandbox to play in and a nice place to play. And like, yeah, they're probably going to love the game for the rest of their life. So, um, yeah, if, if hopefully that's the, uh, hopefully we got that right. But if, if we don't, hopefully they, they implement what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) and still allow us back on property because yeah, exactly. This is a great crash course podcast. I think this course absolutely fits crash course video and we're going to do everything possible to make it back and and hopefully get it on tape because again, describing it doesn't really give it justice. We got to get this place on film because it pops so much. And for people who know about old town, they understand what we're saying for those that don't, you got to figure out a way to check it out. And again, know andy at the fried eggs done a great video on it already he has a tremendous write-up on it check that out but man i can't wait to go back to old town club seconded thanks
0: for joining me Cody. yeah and shout out again to paul glenn and jim glenn of uh the rockaway hunting club episode fame the the shank on 18 just want to call that out one one more time shout out to jim (laughs) perfect all right see y'all